Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'd like you to consider an example. And of course, this example is going to be very simple. And the reason why I want it to be simple is because I want you to understand the underlying issues that I really want to address through this example. But let me just start out with an example of cookies. That's a simple example. Let's assume that I have a package of cookies. And let's say I have 20 cookies in this package, just to pick a number. And let's assume that you and I are together in a room and there are 18 other people in this room. I bring this package of 20 cookies into this room of 20 people. And everyone gets to sit down in a chair while I open up this package. And one by one, I'm going to go to every individual, one at a time. And I'm going to take out a cookie out of this package. And I'm going to give this cookie to each individual. You, of course, are the last person that I come to. When I get to you, I actually have two cookies. I've got one for myself, and I have one for you. And so I take out one of the cookies, and I look at it and say, Oh, this is looking really good. And then I just put it in my mouth, and I start eating it. And then I pick up the next cookie, and I say, And this one's for me. Have a nice day. So everybody in the room got a cookie except for you. In fact, I got two of them. But everybody got a cookie except for you. Now, what would be the first word that might come to your mind in this kind of a scenario? You might think of the word fair. Or in this case, this is not fair. I mean, how is it that all of these people got to have a cookie, but you? That doesn't seem fair, does it? No, in fact, you might express that. You might jump out of that chair and say, that's not fair. Fair, that is horrible. How dare you? How could you? Who do you think you are giving everybody a cookie except for me? This might be your reaction, and I can understand that. If I was in that kind of a situation, I would probably be thinking that myself. I would be surprised if I wasn't. I I can appreciate that, especially if they're good cookies. But what would happen if instead of that scenario, I brought this package of 20 cookies And all these people are in this room, and the only one who gets a cookie is you. In fact, I give you the whole package, right in front of everybody. I give you this package, and I say, this is for you. Now, do you suppose all the other people in the room would be claiming something like, well, that doesn't seem to be fair? No, instead they might think of something like, Hey, why don't you uh, consider sharing that package of cookies? Uh, don't you think that might be a good idea? We can, we can enjoy those cookies together, you know, things like that. But, but you, on the other hand, would you claim with great outrage, would you say to me, this is not fair. How dare you give me all of these cookies and not share any of these cookies 
with everybody else. You should have taken some of these cookies that would have been given to me and you should have given them away to other people. Look at all these other people here. No, this generally does not happen. This is not usually the case. You know, sometimes when we hear this claim from our children or children who are around us, they make this claim that life is not fair, you're not fair, things are not fair, whatever. What it usually means is is that somebody got more than they did. That's usually what it means to them. But there is another definition. I've been working on a definition for a long time, and I expect I'll continue to try to do some changes on it. But the current definition that I have for fairness is not so much when you get more or the same as somebody else, but instead it is actually a claim on someone else's property or time. In this case, I'm talking about property. But that's my definition. The definition that I'm going to use for fairness is a claim on someone's property or someone else's time. You see, in this cookie example, you probably didn't give a lot of thought to the idea that those were my cookies. I mean, did it ever occur to you that maybe that might have some significance? That these are my cookies? And if they're my cookies, why can't I do what I want with my own cookies? Why can't I do that? If I want to give all of my cookies away to all these people except for you, then why can't I do that? Why is it that you get to establish a claim or make a demand on me to claim that I am not doing something appropriate with my own personal property? I mean, why is it that I can't do with my cookies what I want to do with my cookies? But this is a very serious issue for a lot of people. There are people who really believe that I don't have a claim on my cookies, that when I go into an environment like that, those are no longer my cookies. Those cookies belong to the collective. Everybody gets to have a cookie. Or perhaps we should just throw the cookies away to ensure that nobody gets disappointed. You know, things like that. If you don't have enough cookies and you can't divide them appropriately, you know, people come up with all kinds of schemes. I mean, you can spend an enormous amount of time trying to figure out how to manage somebody else's property. When all you have to do is consider that maybe somebody can have things that belong to them and they can decide what to do with their own things. Now, when people get older, the word fair seems to kind of evaporate a little bit. But the philosophy does not. It does not go away. There are many people who struggle with serious emotional challenges in their life just because they are struggling with a situation that just doesn't seem to be fair. And if you think about it, it, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not in terms of distributing things equally or whatever you want to use as a definition. But you know, the fact of the matter is, is that people experience a lot of depression because of issues like this. Because there's some issue in their life that isn't fair and they keep thinking about it And they keep thinking about the rejection that they feel that they've experienced. And they feel so selfish. They are so selfish that they just cannot even consider that maybe somebody wanted to do something with their own property or with their own time. And that was just simply a decision that they made. So in most cases, people stop using the word. But the way that they live their lives... And the way that they relate to other people is still the same. 
You know, sometimes parents make this mistake with their children, and I believe it is a very common mistake and a very destructive one, but this happens. The mistake is, is that children outgrow bad behavior. I believe that that's a very serious mistake. I mean, in one way, that could be valid, that their behavior does change, but the underlying principles, the underlying philosophy that caused the bad behavior, that's not what changes. That doesn't change. The philosophy, the beliefs that the children have, they morph. That's the proper word. I don't believe that they outgrow childish problems. What they do is they morph into other more sophisticated problems. Let me give you a simple example. Haven't you ever encountered someone who is perhaps over the age of 40 who seems to be acting like a two-year-old or a 10-year-old or a teenager, something like that? Haven't you ever encountered somebody like that? It could be. And in my opinion, in most cases uh, that I personally have had exposure to, this apparently seems to be the case, in my opinion, that this person is acting like this because they never resolve fundamental issues like these when they should have been resolved. Personal property is a very serious matter. You know, when you're two years old, you get introduced, normally, to the word no. And no normally means that there is private property. Usually in the house, when they go and try to take something that's not theirs, it's not their toy, it's probably your toy. And it's probably very breakable also. And so, how do you suppose they view that? They might view that as unfair. How is it that you get to play with this toy, but they don't get to play with this toy? And if you don't explain to them or find some way to eventually express to them that there is a difference between things that belong to them, things that belong to you, if that is never understood, then this problem will morph into all kinds of problems. All sorts of different kinds of creative problems. Problems like theft. That's one of the underlying causes behind people stealing things because they don't think things are fair and so they decide that they're going to balance things out a little bit. That's not always the case, but it is a very popular justification for taking things that don't belong to an individual. It's a very popular way of solving this kind of injustice or this problem that they believe exists. That's how people get through life. They don't deal with fundamental issues of personal property, of a person's right to make a decision about what they are going to do or not do with their own time. And they claim that this person owes them something or should do something. And that if they don't, they are evil and there should be some punishment involved or you can just hate them and justify it, all kinds of creative things like that. And this childish behavior, this immature behavior, continues to morph as people get older and people become more sophisticated, more creative in how they express this belief that they have that somebody owes them something that the people around them exist for the purpose of providing them with happiness, with things, with whatever they desire, that that's what other people are for in their life, only to find out that that is not how most people are going to behave. That's not what people are going to do. And when they don't, this person is going to be disappointed. They're going to experience 
a significant amount of disappointment from this rejection that will lead to depression and maybe even despair. Now, you might think that this sounds a little odd. And if you do, then congratulations. You have probably overcome a lot of these issues and congratulations. But there are a lot of people around you who are really struggling with this. And if you were to study an individual who is dealing with serious depression and emotional problems, some of them, not all of them, are caused by this one simple root issue. This one simple root issue that they believe that they have the right to claim something from someone else, whether it be property or time. I believe that fairness is a wonderful thing. I do. And if there is some way that I can be fair with the people who are close to me when it comes to cookies and other things like that, I do personally make an effort to do that. But it's my belief that fairness is not about a debt that is owed, but that fairness is a gift that is given. When you look at it from that point of view, that people are fair because they want to be, because that's who they are as a person. They really do want other people to experience the benefit of their property and their time, and they are willing to share that indiscriminately. This is something that people give, not something that you can demand from somebody else. And if you feel bad, if you feel as though you've been rejected because someone hasn't been fair in your eyes, then it's probably because you're looking at fairness from the point of view of debt and not a gift. Now, why would this be important? Well, I believe that the number one reason as to why this is important is not necessarily because of the relationships that we have with each other. It is important, very significant. But beyond that, this does affect our relationship with our God. It really does. Because there is an assumption that God is supposed to be fair. And when we see him making decisions and judgments, when we see that he doesn't intervene in the way that we think he should, when he doesn't seem to be fair according to our standards, we can easily pass judgment on God. We can reject God. We can turn away from him. People do this. Do not underestimate what I'm telling you. People turn away from God because they have not made this transition. They have not matured to realize that fairness is not a debt, it's a gift. And until you do, until they do, until a person comes to terms with this, then I don't see how they can appreciate having the opportunity to have a relationship with their God at all. I, I really don't. I really believe that this will be a serious barrier between an individual and their God. Now, of course, I believe a person can have some relationship with him of some kind, but it will be very limited, very limited. How can you relate to him on that basis? How can you relate to him when you believe he owes you or he owes somebody else? When he doesn't deliver in the way that you think he should. And, you know, if you use the standard of fairness in the terms of equal distribution... That can very well be unfair. I mean, sometimes he heals somebody, sometimes he doesn't. That doesn't seem fair. Some people go to heaven, some people go to hell. That doesn't seem fair, right? Sometimes he blesses, sometimes he doesn't bless. Sometimes he intervenes, sometimes he doesn't intervene. 
How are you possibly going to have a personal relationship with a God, with a person, who displays these kinds of characteristics, who doesn't share his property equally, who doesn't share his time equally? How can you possibly do that? You can't. That's my point, is that you will not have the maturity level to see him in this way, to respect him in this way, to recognize that he can do what he wants with his own things and with his own time. And if he does anything for you at all, if he gives any of his time, any of his property to you at all, it is not a debt, it is a gift. And how will you possibly appreciate a gift? You're not. You're not going to be able to appreciate a gift. You're not going to be able to live your life with what he does give you. How can you do that when you're constantly looking around to see what he's given to somebody else? How can you enjoy what he has given to you when you're preoccupied with everybody else and what they have and what he's given to them? It's not possible. This is a selfish attitude that keeps people from having a relationship with their God And it also is an attitude that keeps people from having relationships with other people. For example, if you have a husband or if you have a wife and they're not like somebody else's husband or wife, they don't give like that person does. They don't give of their time. They don't give of the things that they have. They don't share like this other person does. And how can you appreciate what your spouse does give you? How can you do that? It's not going to be easy. You're always going to have an attitude towards them because you cannot appreciate what they have given, what they do share, because they owe you something. That's why. So fairness is a very serious problem. And the only way that a person, in my opinion, will ever overcome it is when they will make the transition to realize that it is not a debt owed but it is a gift that is given. Sometimes it's given, sometimes it's not. But either way, if you don't get in touch with this, this will be a very, very serious barrier between you and your God, that there will be a serious limitation in terms of the relationship that you will be able to have with him. Consider what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 20, beginning in Matthew chapter 20, verse 1, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, You also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day long? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last group to the first. When those hired about the eleventh hour came, each one received a denarius. When those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them also received 
a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go, but I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with what is my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first and the first last. Now, of course, there's a lot that can be said about this, but what I want you to understand right now as it relates to the subject of fairness is that Jesus gives an example concerning fairness, that the landowner can do what he wants with his own property, with his own wealth. And even though these people are not children, they still behave, they still have this attitude as if they are children. And what I mean by that is that they have not matured to the level of recognizing the importance and the value of private property, of what people have that is their own, about what they can do with their own time, with their own decisions. You have people in your life who make decisions about what they're going to do with their time, who make decisions about what they're going to do with their resources. And you may not like what they do with their time or what they do with their resources. And they might be very close to you as well. They might be your spouse, for example. And you may not like the things that they decide to do and how they use the things that they have. You may not approve of that. But the fact is, is that if you will not respect the rights that people have as individuals, that God gave them these rights, just as he gave these laborers the right to decide if they wanted to work in the vineyard or not. He gave them the right to decide to refuse what he was offering them when he offered them an opportunity to get anything. If you don't recognize people's right to make decisions on their own about what they want to do, if you believe that there needs to be some intervention to make sure that people cannot exercise their own personal will and desire, then you will never understand the importance of God allowing us to live in the way that we want to live and, of course, experience the consequences of that. But you will never understand what it means for him to say that people can make a choice to believe in him or not. People can make a choice to trust in him or not. You can make this choice. You will never fully appreciate the impact of this. And so I believe this has to be addressed. This has to be addressed in all of our lives. There will always be an opportunity in your life to be confronted with this kind of a situation. Take some time to look back in your life right now and see what kinds of circumstances and what kinds of situations you saw that you believe were unfair and look at them from a different point of view. Instead of looking at these people from the perspective of debt owed, how about a gift given? Their right to do so or not to do so. Now again, as I explained before, without appreciating this, I don't think you're ever going to be able to really embrace what it means to receive the gifts that your God has for you. And that's what I'm really concerned about more than anything. 
I'm really concerned about people not being able to embrace what God gives. Not in the way that I think he wants us to embrace what he gives. I've done a number of programs on the subject of the inheritance that he has given to us as a result of his death. I've done programs on the will of God, our identity in Christ, things like that. On many occasions, I've talked about what he has given to us, that we live according to what he has given to us. And that's the cost, is that you're not going to really appreciate what it means to live. You're not going to live with what he has given to you. If you can't get past this, if you can't stop looking at what other people have in their lives or how they're living, if you can't get past that and just look at you and your God, what he has given to you, and live your life the best way you can with what you do have, And to learn to apply the things that he has revealed to you. These are the kinds of things that keep people from growing and maturing in their relationship with Christ. And these are the very things that cause people to experience a lot of depression and despair in their lives. These are the root causes. So I wanted to spend some time talking about this because fairness is a very serious subject to a lot of people. And it puts them in a tremendous amount of bondage to the extent where it causes serious problems between them and other people because they do not respect other people in the way that God respects them, in the way that God sees them. You know, sometimes people will say, life is not fair. And in some ways they're right. But that's not the problem. That's not the real issue. The real issue is that We have to understand that being fair is something that is given. It is not something that is owed. And when God does a work in a person's heart, he can transform an individual so that they may give themselves in such a way that they are more fair than they were once before. But that's not really the goal. Again, the real goal is that a person might know their God, know how he relates to them, and so that they can live with what he gives to them. And I will continue in the next broadcast. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.